Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Bridget Spackman. And Michelle Emerson, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. Listen, we've all had moments where we get into our own heads and we sabotage the work that we want to do. We don't think that we can do it or we anticipate failure before we even start. So in this episode, we are sharing tips for getting out of your own way. But first, let's hear a time-sucking hurdle from Maggie. Maggie says her TSH is afraid of doing the task wrong. I do not start until I have to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, Maggie, I think a lot of people feel this way. And if you haven't already noticed, I feel like this entire episode is going to be for you. Um, But one of the things that I really kind of want to hit on is, well, this goes back to a reel that I watched. Of course. (laughs) With Selma Hayek. I freaking love Selma Hayek. I think she is wonderful. Anyways, she did a reel, and I don't know, Michelle, if you've seen it, where she says... I don't know who that is. You don't know who Selma Hayek is? No. I'm going to try it. Like, I think she did... Frida. Um, she also played in. So okay, is she like an actress? Mex- she's an actress. Okay, she's a Mexican actress. I would probably recognize her. My issue: actors and actresses. I am horrible with. Same. Like, same. I just horrible. really like. The, I like her. Uh, so I always remember her. Yeah. Um. So she did a reel where it was a video where she said, "It's your mistake." It's yours. You need to own up to that mistake. No one can ever take that away from you. And you need to be like, so what? I made a mistake. Who cares? I'm going to learn from it. I'm moving on and I'm going to be better from it. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we have to remind ourselves, Maggie, is that even though you're afraid of doing the task because you're worried about making mistakes, you also have to recognize that it's your mistake to make and that at the end of the day, you're going to learn from it and you're going to grow and you're going to become a better person just because of it. So you can't allow being afraid of a task to keep you from doing it. Yeah, I feel like this could have been a TSH from Michelle because this is something I really, really struggle with. I think one of my like real deep, dark fears is failure. And so the thought of doing something wrong, like really can paralyze me. It's kind of that paralysis by analysis. Like I start overthinking things. And so I just don't do anything. But I know one thing that has helped me is reminding myself what's the worst that could happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 99.9% of mistakes that we make are things that we can recover from. And so It's a mistake, but it doesn't have to be the last mistake. And you always have a chance to kind of fix it or improve, grow, like you said. And I feel like just having that reminder to myself where it's like, it's not the end of the world. You can come back from this has really helped me, but it's still something I struggle with. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. And just one more point to go back to it. I had a superintendent who um, is a really, really great guy and he was a wonderful speaker and he would always remind us to fail forward. And Mm -hmm. so that always just stuck with me is that that fail forward is that you're going to be making mistakes, but as you make mistakes, you're still going to be moving forward in your goals and what you're trying to accomplish. And that's a really big thing. And I think going off of that, I think what has made it harder in modern society to make mistakes is because we document so much of our lives on social media. And the fact that you know, this like cancel culture, whatever you want to call it. It's almost like people don't want to let people make mistakes anymore. Mm -hmm. It's this idea of like, well, you should just know better than that. And it's like, but ultimately that's how we learn. And 
it's interesting because I feel like I'm happiest when I'm not on social media because I don't feel that pressure of, oh, I can't make mistakes. I have to be perfect. When it's just me and my friends and family, I don't feel that same pressure. I do a little bit from myself, but social media definitely amplifies it. So try to avoid the social media side of things if and when you can. Yeah. So here's kind of the big thing is that everyone experiences self-sabotage in some way or another. But what we do to really help move past this is going to look different for everyone. How do we get past that self-sabotage? So a strategy, as we kind of go through some of these um, strategies for moving past this self-sabotage, might look different for one person and another. So something that might work for me and moving past this like self-sabotage phase is going to be very different than what Michelle does. Yes. So let's kick this off with a definition. So what is self-sabotage and then why do we do it? Stop. <laughs> Sorry, I got the the mind. What is it from the office? I think where he's like, saboteur. Saboteur. Um, but that might not even be from the office. I've not had coffee yet this morning, so my brain is not working. Regardless, sabotage means deliberately doing damage So self-sabotage refers to deliberately blocking ourselves from getting what we truly want or deserve. Now, even though it is deliberate, it's not always conscious. Sometimes our behaviors or habits are getting in our own way without us even realizing it. So for example, I'm going to use eating because and like healthy eating, because I think this is something a lot of people can relate to. People will say, oh, I'm going to start eating healthy. They'll have like one or two really good days. And then Mm -hmm. something in life will come up that kind of forces you to go off plan. Like you have a birthday party to attend or you're meeting friends out. And because that one meal or one experience is quote unquote off the plan, you just kind of throw the whole day away. You're like, well, I've already been bad. So I might as well just eat that ice cream that's in the fridge and finish off those Doritos So if we look at why we do this, ironically, going back to the TSH, it's mostly out of a fear of failure. Now, this is not abnormal, and this is not necessarily a bad thing. This is a biological response. It's essentially like an avoidant behavior from threats. So when we fear failure, we perceive that as being a threat, and therefore we want to avoid it. And that's where that self-sabotage comes in. Mm -hmm. So essentially, there is a kind of mismatch between our values, like what we believe, what we want, what we think is important, and our behavior or our actions. So either we have to do something that doesn't align with our values. And so we kind of purposefully sabotage it so that it doesn't happen because it's not truly what we want, or we know what we want, but what we're currently doing isn't going to help us get there and change is hard. So we kind of self-sabotage because that's easier than having to like change all of these habits that we currently have in place. So just a quick couple quick fire examples. That was hard to say. You might be avoiding people or situations that make you uncomfortable. You might be kind of staying within your comfort zone and purposefully avoiding change. You might be setting goals that are too low so that you can ensure success because again, it's that fear of failure. You might be intentionally or even unintentionally creating conflict with loved ones or friends or coworkers, or you might just kind of be making excuses. 
So many of those examples resonate with me. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. It's wild. So we want to take a different approach when talking about how to get rid of self-sabotage. So instead of talking about what you can stop doing, we are going to focus more on the things that you can start doing to help limit these feelings or actions of self-sabotage. So we have four tips or four things that you can start doing that we're going to share that are simple changes you can add to your daily routine to develop a more positive awareness around your goals and desires. But before we jump into the very first one, we're going to take a quick break. Boo! (laughs) Was that supposed to scare me? Yes, but it obviously didn't work. Okay, so let's try this. October is the last month to buy our 2023-2024 digital planners. Okay, yeah, that was way scarier. You should have started with that. But hopefully everyone listening got the message. If you want to grab the school year digital planners that run from July of 2023 to June of 2024, this is your last chance. Head over to teachingonthedouble.com forward slash store to grab one today before they disappear for good at the end of October. In my head, I pictured you saying that while holding a flashlight under your chin to make it extra spooky. Now that's a scary image. (laughs) But before we scare away all our listeners, let's head back to the episode. We're back. And tip number one is to add in more positive self talk. Amen. And I I love that this is my first tip, yet it's something I am really, really bad with. <laughs> my immediate reaction in any situation that didn't go the way I want is to like blame myself. Bridget, I'm curious where yeah. you kind of stand on this. Oh, I, I hands down, I always blame myself. Like if something doesn't go right, even if it, it wasn't me that did it, I'm like, it's my fault. I should have yeah. done this. I should have stepped in. I should have gone and done this. Like I always put it back on me as if the weight of the world <laughs> is on my shoulders. Yeah. And now that I'm saying it out loud, I think it's because I very much have that like internal locus of control yes. as opposed to an external. And I think when you have an external locus of control, you try to find blame in like everyone else in the situation. Mm-hmm. I am very much like internal and I feel like I have the power to change things. And so when it doesn't go the way that I want, I blame myself. But yeah. Saying that, I am aware that I do this and it's something I have been working on. In fact, I end my YouTube videos by saying, put your positive pants on. And as cheesy as it is, it is a reminder that being positive requires intention, Mm -hmm. at least for most of us. It's not our like default mode. And I purposefully try to be optimistic because for a really long time, I wasn't. And that's always shocking for people to hear. But back in high school and even at the beginning of like college, I was very cynical and I saw the negative effects of it. And so I've realized that I don't want to be that way and I'm trying to purposefully make changes. But I recently read this in a book and I really liked it. So the book is called The Burnout Cure by Chase Milkey. I'm probably butchering his last name, Chase, I'm so sorry. But he said, it's not about whether we see the glass as half full or half empty. It's about what do we do when that glass shatters? Because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, right? We all have these experiences where things go wrong. And the question is, do we blame ourselves for dropping it or, you know, not catching it, whatever it was, or 
do we just start picking up the pieces? And ultimately, like, that's what's going to make things better. It doesn't matter who dropped the glass or why the glass dropped. It's can we pick up the pieces after? So in our brain, you know, we have these neurons and they're constantly firing and creating these like pathways or connections. That's what learning is. It's a series of connections. And the more often neurons have made these connections, the wider and the deeper those pathways become. It kind of reminds me of my backyard when I throw ball with Ember. There's this one like path that after she has caught the ball, she always runs back to me. And so when you look at our backyard, first of all, it's all like, straw right now. There is no grass to be seen anywhere because it's just dry. Haven't gotten rain in months. I was going to say, I think we've gotten a tenth of an inch in the past like two months. Wow. Yeah. So it's a little thirsty, but there is a path where she runs back to me and it's just dirt. Like there is nothing there because she constantly runs that path. And so if you have fallen into the habit of that negative self-talk, it may take a while to undo. Like if I chose to grow grass in that area, mm-hmm. it would take a while and I would have to retrain Ember to like run a different way in order to get back to the deck area. So our tip is to catch yourself when you're using that negative self-talk and then kind of metaphorically flip the switch, if you will, or at least start silencing the negative. Even if you're not immediately replacing it with positive, if that's too hard, at least try to silence the negative. So have a few like go-to phrases, things like I'm human and I'm allowed to make mistakes or I can get better at this. These can become essentially mantras that you repeat to yourself in order to encourage growth as opposed to just remaining stagnant or like reverting to that self-sabotage. I know some people use meditation or mindfulness as a component with this. If that works for you, great. I've never been able to get into it, but I do love me some like quotes and mantras. Yeah, I have to, before we move on to the next one, um, just kind of share that when I was in college going through teacher school at a univer- at my university, I had this professor and every start of class, at the beginning of class, she gave us like a list of like 25 affirmations. And she wanted us to all stand up and say one affirmation at the start of class. So this took a little bit of time because obviously there was probably about like 50 of us inside of this class. And so the first time we were doing it, actually it took like several weeks, we all hated it. We were like, this is the dumbest. ever like why are we doing this this is so stupid we like couldn't we we were weird about it by the end of that semester we were all creating our own and there was one that i resonated with and went back to over and over and over again and it was i can handle any problem calmly Mm. and creatively and Mm. i loved it and it was just so weird that at the very beginning i hated it but then towards the very end like i was looking for the ones that really resonated for me for that specific day it was really cool And off of that, I just recently was preparing for a PD that I'm giving and something I created was this like daily reflection template. So it's just like a Google sheet and it's real simple where you like rate your day from one to five, you list out like three highlights from the day, Mm -hmm. you list out an affirmation. It's like whatever resonated with you on that day. Yes. And then there's something else that's a part of it. But I like that it's really simple and it's something that I can just kind of go in and do. And 
it is something that becomes easier as it goes on and it feels it less silly because it starts to actually work. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really weird. And she was always like, just put it out into the universe, guys. <laughs> I just specifically remember that. Was she the one that you mentioned on a previous podcast who wore like bracelets and you like loved her outfit or like her she shoes had, or something? Yes, she wore like these like giant pleather red stilettos and she yeah. had like pink hair underneath. Yeah. She was so hip and cool for her time. Like she didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you mentioning that I before. Know. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to move on to the second thing that you can be doing, and that is to choose your influence. And there is a saying that you are a combination of the five closest people around you. Now, whether this is true, who really knows? But while we are, while there might be some debate as to, you know, is this really something that is like factual? We can say that the feelings and the motivations of others can either inspire us or they can bring us down. I think mm. we've all experienced this. Yep. <laughs> so choosing your influence is about surrounding yourself with the people that will help to inspire you in a way that makes you feel strong and capable of the task that you're trying to complete but also be able to talk and share about these desires and goals with the people that are around you. So when we have people that will help to uplift us, give us the support that we need, but also hold us accountable, and that's a key there, it can change how we view our goals. So a really good example is that Michelle has just always been that person that inspires me because she has the strength in areas that I just don't have. I mean, like physical strength, yes, (laughs) we all know that. (laughs) But I'm going beyond just the physical strength, guys. (laughs) So when she shows like these wins, it inspires me and it motivates me to be better. So think about the people around you. Who can you identify with in your life that helps you move forward and feel good about your goals? These individuals need to be the ones that you spend more time with and openly discuss what you are wanting to accomplish with them so that they can help you also move forward and hold you accountable. Because y'all, let me tell you, Michelle will tell me the truth. She will hold me accountable and check in with me. And it is the best thing ever. Lady, that was so cute and sweet. What's Uh, funny is I didn't see it coming because when we create these podcast outlines, Uh typically we kind of divvy things up. And so we each had like picked our tips and I hadn't looked at what Bridget had written. But (laughs) all of a sudden I saw my name. I was like, wait, what is she saying? It's so true, though. It is. It is having those people around you to really kind of uplift you. But I think you also have to... um, and I'm going to be very vulnerable and open and honest in this, is that you have to almost move past in that friendship, the comparison and Mm -hmm. the jealousy phase. Mm -hmm. Because I think originally when you and I first became friends, there was that hint of jealousy and that, um, oh man, she's so much better than me. Oh man, she's so much better in this area. But I think when you recognize that and you kind of are aware of it with yourself, you're able to then move past it. And so I've gotten to this point where I've moved past it and I am so excited about the accomplishments that you've done. And it's no longer a comparison of, oh man, Michelle's killing it. And look at me, I'm terrible. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing the things that she's doing. It's now like a, ooh, this girl's doing it. I'm going to do it, but in my own way. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. And it's funny because at first I was like, oh, what I love about our friendship is that there's not this competitiveness. But then when I thought about it, I'm like, wait, 
there was at the beginning. There was. Like we definitely, I know I struggled with that as well. And it's something that has kind of faded over mm-hmm. time. And I think a lot of that has been, again, it's this realization of we're the same, but we're different. Yeah. And yeah. I think that works out really, really well for us. And I think those areas where we are the same is where we we tend to fall back into that comparison at mm-hmm. times, mostly just when we're having low confidence in something. Yes. I know that's when I tend to compare myself the most. And because there are so many things we do the same in terms of like YouTube and having these businesses mm-hmm. and et cetera, et cetera, those are the moments where like sometimes we fall into the, that little brief moment of comparison and right. then we always have to go, it's okay. Like she's not me. I'm not her. I have my own things. Yes. Like, And I think just being happy for, like you said, like your accomplishments mm-hmm. and seeing you grow and change over the years and what we've been able to do together, I think yes. is a really cool thing to be it able is. to reflect on. It is. So like for those of you like listening into this, yes, we're having kind of like a friend gushy moment, but at the same time, you do have to be aware that you're going to have some of those feelings, especially if you're trying mm-hmm. to surround yourself with people who really inspire you, motivate you. They're probably doing really awesome things. Yeah. At the end of the day, please don't compare yourself. I mean, you're going to. It's human nature. Jealousy is just an emotion that we have, but you have to learn how to juggle that and move past that and start to use that in more of a positive sense. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going on tangents. I've got to stop. But (laughs) as you were saying that, it made me think of one of my old old team teachers, and I'm sure she's not listening to this, but Lauren, if you're listening to this, um, (laughs) I adored her. And I remember at the beginning when I first like got on the team with her, I was jealous in a lot of ways and I compared myself to her because she's so outgoing and like all the kids, all the families just love her. Mm-hmm. And I had to really let go of that and instead like I always saw her as inspiring, but I just had to like lean on that part instead. And I think it really helped me kind of come out of my shell because I saw how she was and it's like I want to be more like that. Yeah. So I think using that as like inspiration can be really helpful. And then at the end of the day, realizing like, yes, there are some things that I really admire in her, but there's things I'm sure that she admires in me. And I think that idea of remembering like you are somebody else's goals, like no matter where you are on your journey, there is someone looking at you going, wow, I wish I could be that. I think that that's really powerful to remember. Oh, I love that one. Okay, let's move on. All right. Tip number three, this, this tied in well, I didn't plan this. Tip number three is to embrace your strengths. So I feel like a lot of self-sabotage occurs when we feel like we lack control. This goes back to what I mentioned at the beginning of having that like internal versus external locus of control. So when you're not able to control the outcome, sometimes you would rather self-sabotage because then you you feel like you're the one that's the reason that it didn't happen. So for example, let's say you have an upcoming observation and you're getting evaluated. You obviously cannot control how the observer interprets your lesson. And so as a result, you might like interpret, interpretly, oh my goodness, Michelle, deliberately either give up or just kind of stop trying as hard because you feel like you can't control the end result anyway. So like, why bother? So for example, you might tell yourself, well, I always get bad evaluations anyway. So I'm not going to spend all this time planning a lesson for an observation. Like I'm just going to wing it because it's going to go awful anyway. 
you really want to avoid some of those blanket statements such as always and every and nothing Mm -hmm. and all because that's not true. Like it's not always a bad observation. It's not you know, never goes your way. These are blanket like statements that just aren't true. Gloom here, <laughs> right? Right. But I think we we find ourselves. I know I've had to really work on that in my relationship with Billy because there will be moments where I'm like, "Oh, you never wash the dishes the right way," and then it's like, Wait, "Okay, Michelle, that's not fair." Like he does sometimes. It's just you have to make very factual statements. Yes. But regardless, these behaviors are going to end up leading you to that undesired result. But it's not because that statement was true. It's because of the actions we took leading up to it because we told ourselves that it was true. So keeping in mind, you can never control everything, but you can always control something. So instead of, you know, leaning on this, like controlling your lack of effort toward it, lean into the things you're good at and really maximize your efforts. So for example, I might tell myself, well, I'm a really great planner, so I can make sure that I've planned out the lesson in detail. I can use slides to guide it, that way nothing goes awry. I might even share my lesson plans with the observer ahead of time so that they kind of know what to expect. I know Bridget's giving me the look of like, ooh, fancy. That's a good idea. (laughs) Which, side note, quick tip, if you are doing some kind of an observation and you know about it in advance, I know a lot of times you don't know, But if you do share your lesson plans with them, you can even be like, hey, I'm really wanting to grow in this area. Would you mind giving me feedback on, you know, classroom management, whatever it is? And it kind of targets them to really look at that area. It's fantastic. (laughs) So in summary, when you feel like quitting or kind of self-sabotaging from a lack of control, hone in on the things that you can control. So I'm going to use one last example to encompass this powerlifting. I have nationals coming up. In fact, right now it's Sunday. I compete on Thursday. So I'm just a few days out. By the time you're listening to this, it will have already taken place. But I cannot control who I'm competing against. I cannot control how long they've been lifting, how hard they've been training. But I can make sure I give my all in every training session I do. And I can prioritize my recovery and nutrition because I think that's something I'm good at. And I think it's something that can give me an advantage because not a lot of people are willing to put in that extra time and effort. So that is a strength of mine that I can really hone in on. Oh, that's such a good one. Oh, so much great wisdom in that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, so we're on to the very final thing that you can do to really move past the self-sabotage, and that's to communicate and document. <laughs> so with this final one, it's really about practicing the art of vulnerability. And so communication just in general, I find it really, really hard, <laughs> especially when you're having those feelings of like self-sabotage, which are like creeping up. And it's like you kind of like... Like, I don't know about you, like I go into turtle shell mode. Yes. Where I <laughs> exactly just keep what I was thinking. All my emotions inside and I'm just like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And Trent's like, you're not fine. <laughs> <laughs> So if you lack the ability to really share these feelings with a friend, a spouse, a family member, then you might want to consider some form of an alternative option. And one way to do this is through journaling. So you can keep a journal that just allows you to express your thoughts freely without judgment. Now, (laughs) here's the thing, okay, if you're going to be writing some like 
naughty things in there about people. I, I always go back to like, what was it in like Mean Girls where they had like the, the bird, bird book? book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, there is no shade in what you're writing. Okay. You write what you need to write to get those feelings out of your head. But I would say that if like paper is a little bit too risky, you might want to put it on your phone and then just delete it. Or like you can put like a lock on it, especially if you're using like the iPhone notes, which is really, really handy. But just remember that you don't want to make these too long. This is just more for you to become self-aware of how you're feeling. And the more likely it is that you're going to be able to combat those feelings and then just start looking for more positive thoughts. And it goes back to what Michelle was saying for that PD where she had like, here's an affirmation and then like, here are some like highlights from the day, but also kind of sharing in some of those concerns, the maybe negative thoughts that you're having to hopefully get you past it. Sometimes if you put it out there, and just like let it go, you can get it out of your brain and not have to worry about it and think about it so much. So keep these records short and end it with a positive saying, just like Michelle mentioned. And then the more that we practice with this vulnerability, the easier that it's going to be to recognize our weakness and then be able to move forward with our goals. Can I go on one final little tangent? Yes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So I recently was reading about a study that was done where they had two different groups of people and for group one, they would tell them about a surgery and they would say the surgery had a 70% oh, success rate. Yes. And they'd be like, Oh, it was a good surgery. Group B, they would tell them this surgery had a 30% fail rate. And the people would be like, Ooh, that was a bad surgery. And so even though the percentage is exactly the same, how they framed it really varied for how the people received it. And what's interesting is that even the positive group, when they then went back to them and said, okay, but you know, that also means there was a 30% fail rate. Most of them changed their mind. So they started with positive and changed it to negative. The other group who was given the negative first, even once they received the positive, they still viewed it negatively. So it's really powerful to keep in mind that if you start with the positive at least you have that positive. If you start with a negative, it's really, really hard to to turn it around. And I think that that's important. Second piece goes off of the journal. I know we've mentioned this before, but just to bring it back, I learned on Office Ladies, have a close confidant. So like, for example, my person would be like Bridget, yeah. where if you're going to have a paper journal, you can let them know where it is. So if something happens to you, they can like destroy it. Oh if you don't want God. people to read it, maybe you want it to become a bestseller. I don't know. But if you don't want anyone to read it, it's like their job is to discard of it, you know, that if something happens. Fantastic. I love that. All right, guys, hopefully you really enjoyed this episode. Um, and it's helped to give you some inspiration for how to get past that self-sabotage that we all feel at one point or another in our lives. We would love for you to take some time to check out the website, teachingonthedouble.com. There you can check out some of the new things that we have going on. We have some freebies there. We also have our store that's available there. And you can also submit your time sucking hurdle. Guys, when I say that we really do listen to what it is that you are struggling with, we are not joking. Okay. So <laughs> submit your time sucking hurdle. We want to know what's, what are you really struggling with right now? And if you're not subscribed to the podcast, we would love for you to subscribe and uh, so that you can get notified when our new episode drops. 
and be sure to leave us a review over on iTunes. It really, really does help us to get into the ears of so many other people. And we just like hearing from you guys. So it always makes us smile to be able to read your comments and we would love to kind of keep that going. So until next time, be timely, stay organized and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.